Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These life studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible reveals God's working to accomplish His eternal purpose and His enemy countering to frustrate and damage God's move. This is the struggle of the ages and the theme of the entire Bible. As we see God's plan unveiled both prophetically and literally in Scripture, our hearts cannot but be filled with appreciation and faith in the divine revelation. Ron Kangas is with us today. Ron, welcome back. We're happy to have you as our tour guide on today's journey in Isaiah. This is one of those classic messages full of vision and full of the depth of God's unveiling of his eternal purpose uh, and how his enemy opposes and fights against it. If we miss this view, Ron, the Bible really is a totally different book, isn't it? Yes, if we miss this view, the Bible to some of us may be um, a book of ethics, or the Bible may be a book that does nothing more than provide the rudiments concerning the doctrine of salvation, or the Bible may be regarded as a book that we can appeal to for comfort or support in time of need. But if we have the view of God's economy and of the enemy's opposition to God's economy, we will begin to see the Bible as God sees the Bible and as God intended the Bible to function. It is a book that unveils God's economy, but this unveiling is in a very realistic and concrete historical context which involves and exposes Satan's opposition. If we see both the economy of God and Satan's opposition to the economy of God, our understanding will begin to fall in line with God's intention. Well, Ron, the book of Isaiah, of course, is one of the great books of prophecy. And Witness Lee will focus his attention on the prophetic nature. And there are going to be references in this first portion to other books of prophecy, such as Daniel. These prophecies show us much concerning the Christ whom we may experience and enjoy today. Let's join Witness Lee with the first portion of this very enlightening and interesting life study. God made a plant which is called by Paul the eternal economy of God. And this plan, this economy is for God to get a people out of the human beings he created. Up to Abraham's time, God fulfilled his desire. He called a people, he separated a people, he chose his people to be his very treasure. Then from Abraham to Christ, 
God went down further to get the church. God just wanted to get Israel as the Old Testament elect and the believers in totality. They are the church. But God has an enemy. Satan came in to use God created human beings who have not been chosen by God to frustrate God's eternal purpose. According to the principle of the divine revelation, the first nation used by Satan was Babel, Genesis 11. After many centuries up to that Babel formed into Babylon. Then following Babylon, you have Medo-Persian. Then you have the Macedonians. Then you have the Romans. Then you have the Muslims today. When you come to New Testament, the New Testament begins with a sign of a virgin conceiving and bearing a son. This son eventually becomes God with us, Emmanuel. So the New Testament begins with the same sign we saw, and we are still seeing in Isaiah 7.14, is true to be. When you read this sign of a virgin conceiving and bearing a son, you have to realize this sign covers the entire Bible, Genesis 11 to Revelation chapter 22. We are still in the stage of the fulfillment of this sign of a son consummating in the Emmanuel. Ron, in the principle of the divine revelation, much of the opposition and frustration to God's purpose throughout the ages has come from Babylon. Historically, we know there was a physical city, Babylon, but in the New Testament, there's another Babylon, a spiritual Babylon. Uh, we've also heard that this spiritual Babylon in the New Testament has two aspects, material and religious. A lot of Babylons here, Ron. Help us sort these out. Let's begin, as the Bible does, with a literal, physical, material Babylon. So in the Old Testament, Babylon was an actual empire, and it was very much opposed to God's interests on the earth, although God was sovereign over what Babylon did to the people of God. Beginning with Babel and consummating in the Old Testament with the empire or kingdom of Babylon, we see the embodiment of Satan's opposition to the economy of God and to the kingdom of God. Now, in the New Testament, especially in Revelation, we read of Babylon again, and we have expressions such as mystery, Babylon the Great. The emphasis here is not on something physical or material, so we are constrained to use the word spiritual to denote the mystical nature of this Babylon as the opponent to God's economy. 
So once we see this, we can go on to consider that this spiritual or mystical Babylon has two aspects. One is the religious aspect embodied and expressed through the apostate church. But we also believe that there is a material aspect which ultimately will be manifested in the city of Rome as the headquarters of Antichrist. So in the Old Testament, Babylon is physical and material. In the New Testament, Babylon becomes spiritual in the sense of mystical. And with this spiritual or mystical Babylon, there is the religious aspect and there is the material aspect. But whether it's religious or material, it's an opposition to God's economy and to those on the earth in this generation who are one with God for the carrying out of the divine economy. Ron, let me ask you a follow-up. Witness Lee also mentioned, of course, uh, the book of Daniel and the great prophetic image that's seen in Daniel. This image, I think, is known quite well by most students of the Bible and of prophecy. The head of the image is identified as Babylon. Which of these Babylons that you've just been discussing is represented by the head of this image? Well, we need to say the emphasis was on the physical Babylon headed by Nebuchadnezzar. However, the whole image in all of its historic and prophetic aspects is related in some way to Babylon. So by the time we arrive at the toes, if we understand this according to the other scriptures, we will see that there will be an emergence of Babylon in a particular form at the end of this age. But speaking simply, the head of that image referred to the Babylonian Empire. But the principle of Babylon goes way beyond that, and we are still struggling against it. Ron, let's go back and pick up more of Witness Lee's sharing today. The battles fought among human race is always centered around the Mideast. And this is the land that Christ is going to inherit to build up his millennial kingdom with two peoples. Number one, the choosing Israel as the people on earth. Number two, the choosing believers as the people in heavens. So the fighting is still going on. In the Old Testament, it was the physical invaders, Babylon, Persia, Macedonia, and uh, Roman Empire, these were physical invaders. But in the New Testament, the physical invaders changed to the spiritual invaders. The invaders to the church still are Babylon. But this Babylon is not like that in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Babylon was the physical Babylon. But in the New Testament, it becomes the spiritual Babylon. So the New Testament ends with the religious Babylon and the physical Babylon. The religious Babylon is revealed in Revelation 17. 
and the physical is revealed in Revelation 18. And if you read the New Testament carefully, the war between Satan and God will be ended, terminated by the fighting between Christ with his faithful followers and Antichrist with his followers. Now you have to realize Antichrist will be the coming seer of the Roman Empire. The human image seen by Daniel from the head to the ten toes. And where the uh, Antichrist will be, he will be among the ten toes. God's enemy begin with Babylon and ended also with Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, the physical human being, was the head. Then you will have the Antichrist in a spiritual sense. He was a part of Babylon. The entire human image in Daniel 2 is the image of Babylon. The head is Babylon and the toes are also Babylon. Then when this Babylon will be terminated, then the kingdom comes. The two elects of God will be properly placed. A power in the heavens, a power on the earth. Ron, as Babylon is the primary instrument used by Satan to frustrate God's move in his economy, so God has his Emmanuel to further this move. We saw this Emmanuel introduced by the sign of the virgin bearing a son in Isaiah 7.14. But this Emmanuel also has a spiritual and prophetic aspect as well. Who is today's Emmanuel? Of course, today's Emmanuel is our Lord Jesus Christ. His incarnation and birth were the literal and actual as well as spiritual fulfillment of that prophecy in Isaiah 7.14. Matthew 1 makes this crystal clear, even quoting from the book of Isaiah in relation to a virgin uh, giving birth to a son and going on to say his name would be called Emmanuel, God with us. This dear one, God incarnate, Jesus, Emmanuel, came through incarnation. But he went on to say that he would be with us all the days. That's at the end of Matthew in chapter 28. The New Testament reveals two primary senses. Surely he's not with us in a material, physical, tangible, outward way. So in what way is he with us? If we compare uh, Matthew 28 with John 14 and other portions in John, we will see that the I who is with us all the days, according to Matthew 28, is the very spirit of reality, the realization of Christ, the pneumatic Christ, revealed in the Gospel of John. So today, Emmanuel is Christ as the indwelling, all-inclusive, life-giving spirit. But we need to consider the other aspect of Christ's being Emmanuel today, and that is the corporate aspect. We see this in Matthew 18. The Lord said, When two or three are gathered into my name, 
there am I in the midst. This refers to a proper meeting, either of the church as a whole or of members of the church. This gathering is on the one hand in the name of Jesus, according to Matthew 1. But as we gather in the name of Jesus, we realize this one is with us. He is Emmanuel. This relates Emmanuel to the church. So today we have, we may say, a pneumatic Emmanuel, Christ as the life-giving spirit, who, according to 2 Timothy 4.22, is with our spirit, and who, according to 1 Corinthians 6.17, is one spirit with us. Also, Emmanuel today is an enlarged and enlarging corporate Emmanuel, the corporate Christ, the body of Christ, the church as the expression of Christ, and this corporate Emmanuel, which has the pneumatic Emmanuel as its essence, will consummate in the New Jerusalem as the eternal, corporate, great Emmanuel, God with us. So the question is simple. The answer is profound because the answer involves the entire New Testament economy of God from the birth of Christ through his resurrection to his indwelling to the church life to the reality of the body of Christ and ultimately the new Jerusalem as Emmanuel, pneumatic and corporate forever and ever in the new heaven and the new earth. So it's accurate to say Isaiah 7.14 requires the entire New Testament for its fulfillment. Ron, all believers cherish this name, Emmanuel, God with us, and all that it implies. We want to focus the remaining minutes that we have on God's Emmanuel, our Emmanuel, God with us. Let's rejoin Witness Lee. Christ is unveiled in Isaiah firstly as the shoot of Jehovah then the fruit of the earth, then the canopy to cover all the interests of God in the whole universe. This very Christ becomes the center of that all-inclusive sign of a virgin conceiving and bearing a son. And this sin becomes the very center of the universe. Emmanuel. You know, this sign is fully unveiled actually in Matthew chapter 1. Emmanuel. When Christ came, he was Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. Christ was God with us. Matthew tells us Christ was God with us. Even to the last chapter, chapter 28 of Matthew, we got the word, I will be with you day by day to the consummation of this age. This is Emmanuel. The entire New Testament is an Emmanuel. Entire New Testament is an Emmanuel. And we are now just a part of Emmanuel. And this sign is too, too wide each span. It covers the entire universe, 
it covers the entire Bible. So here Christ is a son, consummating in the Emmanuel. Ron, in chapter 7, verse 14, we see that Christ in his incarnation is Emmanuel, the son born of a virgin. In chapter 8, 14, this Emmanuel is shown as both a sanctuary or a tabernacle and as a stone, a smiting stone, a stumbling stone. Ron, who experiences Emmanuel today as the sanctuary and who experiences him as this smiting stone? Every human being will have something to do with Christ. Every human being in some way will be related to Christ sooner or later. If we believe in him, calling on the name of Jesus, receiving the Lord into us as our Savior and life, the pneumatic Emmanuel will become to us a sanctuary in whom we dwell. This is the fulfillment of the New Testament revelation concerning Christ being in us and our being in Christ. This is John 15, Abide in me and I in you. When we believe into him and receive him into us, he becomes to us a sanctuary, our dwelling place, our temple. But those who disbelieve, those who disobey the gospel, should not assume that all is well. Some, the religionists, may stumble at the Lord Jesus and fall upon him. To them, Christ will be a stone, not for building, but a stumbling stone. Those who do not receive the Lord as their Savior, as their life, some of them, at least, will fall on him and be broken by him as a stumbling stone. But even more, to all the disbelieving Gentiles, including the Gentile governments throughout the earth, Christ will be the smiting stone. He will be the smashing stone. As an allusion to your reference earlier about the great image in Daniel 2, what happens to it? A stone cut without hands, that's Christ as our Emmanuel, also, by the way, with his enlargement, the corporate Emmanuel, coming as a stone in his coming again to smite the toes of the great image and to smash that image to pieces. Then this stone will become a mountain filling the whole earth. That's the kingdom of God manifested universally on earth during the millennium. So Christ the Emmanuel to us is the sanctuary, the dwelling place. To the unbelieving religionists, he is a stumbling stone. To the rebellious Gentile nations, he will be the smashing stone. No one can evade him, and he will not allow any human being who has ever lived to avoid some kind of direct contact with him. So this is a very clear view of Christ. He wants to be our Emmanuel and our dwelling place. We would encourage all of our listeners to pursue this line of revelation concerning Christ as Emmanuel, God with us, 
May all of us enjoy him personally as the pneumatic Emmanuel and also experience him corporately as the enlarged Emmanuel in the church, the body of Christ, which consummates as and in the new Jerusalem as the great Emmanuel for eternity in the new heaven and the new earth. Our allusion at the beginning of the program to being sojourners and pilgrims is an appropriate one, I think, for the book of Isaiah. It is a vast land, and we do feel like we're being treated to a place that maybe we've never seen that clearly before, but it's remarkable how around every corner there's another vista or view of Christ, isn't there? And your phrase, a vast land, reminds me of an expression, you know, in one of the earlier chapters of Isaiah, the land of Emmanuel. Prophetically, that refers to that land in the Middle East, which is especially Christ's inheritance for his reigning on earth during the millennial kingdom. This is why there is so much controversy over the situation in the Middle East, a controversy which will be settled not by negotiation, but by the Lord's coming back. But I also would like to say that Christ, our Emmanuel, is a vast land, a vast realm for us to explore. And Isaiah reveals something of this vast, all-inclusive Christ for us to explore, experience, and enjoy. So we are on a journey with Christ, we are on a journey to Christ, and we are on a journey in Christ that we may see him as Isaiah unveils him and experience him so that the Lord can have his enlarged corporate Emmanuel on the earth in this age, on the earth in the kingdom age, and in the new heaven and the new earth for eternity. Well, Ron, we hope and trust before the Lord that these uh, programs that do bring us views and glimpses of Christ will lead all of the listeners into a richer experience of the one we're seeing. Ron, join us again very soon for another journey, another tour. I hope to do that, Chris. Well, if you are at all inspired by these messages and these uh, unveilings in the book of Isaiah, uh, we would encourage you very highly to get a copy of the Isaiah Life Study. Uh, We have made each of these Life Study messages available in bound volumes, and volume number one uh, includes the first 16 Life Studies from the book of Isaiah. Today, for Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70-plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry or the program you heard today, email us, 
radio at lsm.org or call us toll free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.